my favorite and there's this there's an episode a few months ago with Matt and Carrie where we sort of talked about this but my favorite thing ever is when people do try to outwoke you on popular things like that yeah it and it's like they it's like the night before you know July 3rd yeah. you know they're all in their bedrooms with like headbands on like doing sit-ups like all right we're going to motherfuck America tomorrow what, yeah this is what we're going to say on the Facebook posts, I get posts that get seventy three fucking likes, and <laughs> they do the same thing. The the Super Bowl, I would argue, that is Columbus Day. That's though. yeah, that's exactly that was the example I used. Definitely that, but it's really stupid when it's really funny when people do it in personal conversation with me, just one on one. Just yeah, like, it's, oh, I don't really celebrate Fourth of July. It's just like. Okay, what the fuck about me makes you think that I do? That why are you trying to do Why this? are you trying to joust me here? <laughs> I'm a communist and you know that. <laughs> yeah, it's like you said, it's still I still get the day off work and that's all that fucking matters. Well, and that's like and for workers, for poor working people, guess what? It's one day they don't have to fucking show up to their shittiness. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty Well, funny. I don't know. That's probably less and less true, but Yeah. Traditionally it has been Right, right, right. It depends on the job. Yeah. But it it's it is funny. The 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 like more the I guess you could say virtue signaling or whatever. But um yeah, just on a one to one level. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, Columbus Day's the best though. Here cause I, there's two statuses. And this is probably the wokest thing Jay Z's ever done, but for the rap nerds they say only Christopher acknowledges Wallace. <laughs> And then the other side of that is like some sort of performative shit about the plight of indigenous people. Right. And it's just like, we know that. Yeah. Man. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a result of like people thinking that social, that social media is the arena of. That's where, that's where it's won, Politics man. and political. I don't know. I got into an argument a few years ago with somebody who, um. My my theory at the time, and I think it still holds true, is that I I don't think there is one single person, and this goes against Ray's law way back. This goes against this goes against everything Ray law postulate. Ray's law postulates. That's big, folks. <laughs> my theory is that there is not one single person in the world who's been won over by a Facebook argument. That there's. That like you could try to appeal to their humanity and just that, just that medium, just Facebook, not Twitter, not yeah, not Twitter, not anything else, just Facebook. Twitter, I feel like you can be shamed into taking the right position. (laughs) Facebook, there's just people on Facebook just don't have the chops to do that. Well, it 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 creates social interaction in a way that's not natural. Twitter is a little more natural. Just because it forces you to uh, limit what you're saying, but yeah. but Facebook, it what it does is it says you have an unlimited character amount. Say whatever you want. Go for it. So people structure their arguments. It's like if you were sitting around with your friends and somebody said something, you wouldn't be like, 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 like I like that. You know what I mean? Like, well, I guess some people do. I guess in social justice circles, you've got the whole like sparkly fingers. fingers. Yeah. <laughs> is that? I I, I would just pose that question to our listeners is sparkle fingers the thing that you all do or is that just unique to the sjw or or rather maybe i should say if in your dealings in the sjw world do you come across sparkle Sparkle fingers fingers, too or is that unique to the appalachian scene um 
man, this email I got this morning, I was just reading about. Um, another thing, another thing that people do on Twitter that kills me, um, sort of in that same vein of like Fourth of July, uh, out woking out, you know, the woke Olympics, is 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 when people <laughs> will exploit a tragedy like. The, like the shooting that just happened yesterday, and make it a hundred percent about them. <laughs> yeah, and they'll be like, they'll be like, I just got done crying for thirteen hours about the the state of the world, and and l- let me tell you a few things about what journalists actually do. <laughs> and they go on like <laughs> an eighteen fucking tweet thread yeah. about it's just like, what the fuck. They are our bravest citizens. <laughs> they are the watchdog of society. Well, it's just like you okay, like. You'd okay, good. Right, 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 right. But it's it's but it's like, but it, it's just a classic example of like making some. You didn't just cry for five fucking hours. You, I mean, and even if you did, the only reason you did that is so you could make this Twitter thread so you could get eight thousand fucking tweets. Fucking likes, yeah. Well, and I think the thing too is like, <clears throat> this is a shitty reality of the human condition, but. I think humans can recognize that, for example, the situation in Gaza, like I can I can be outraged about that because it's fucked up. Yeah. But like when people you don't know or like murdered or like something horrible happens to them, if you didn't know them personally, it's hard to have like yeah. A visceral connection in that same way. Yeah, it's, like I could think something's fucked up and be completely against that, and we need to fight to make that right. Yeah, but I'm talking like, I like a journalist gunned down in Maryland is a, obviously a fucking terrible thing, and I'm like I'm mad about the conditions that created that. Right, but it's hard for me to be like weeping and wailing for a dead journalist. You know what I'm saying? It's there's like this. Inter- Does that sound cal? I don't mean that to sound callous. I'm just saying like it's just true. <laughs> Someone's gonna cut that out. Yeah, <laughs> completely free of context. It's there's this interplay with like complicity and responsibility and like your ability to do something about it. So like for example, I remember, you know, and I was much younger back then too. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, but I I do remember being very emotionally disturbed by the Iraq War. Just and yeah, things, like that were that were coming out of it, and it was because like I it was this combination of helplessness. And complicity, like, like, oh, this is, you know, who we are as a country, yeah. and... Well, but, but, like, when you heard about, like, Pat Tillman, well, I mean, now it's kind of a little bit sadder, because we know he's one of us, but, but, like, but when you heard, like, about an individual, like... Yeah. it You just didn't get worked up in the same way. Well, and, and it's the same thing with this shooting yesterday, it's like, there's... I don't feel complicit in that in the same way that I do like the things that are done for Empire and all these other yeah things. Um, did you did you read about why he did that? Was it the Milo thing? No, it was <clears throat> it was because this newspaper. This guy's name was Jared Ramos. This newspaper published the shooter's name. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They published a story about how he was. Uh, Harassing this woman online, like stalking her, harassing her, would not well, stop sending. Didn't her. didn't didn't she like she told local police that for years that like he was gonna like shoot, he was gonna be your next mass shooter, and they just ignored it. I don't know. I don't know much about her, 
but this newspaper reported the story that he would not stop bothering Oh, so he got his spot blown up yeah, in the paper. Yeah. And this was back in like 2011. Yeah. He held on to this grudge for years and like had a Twitter account that they found where he singled out the editors of this paper and was basically like saying, saying he was going to kill them. So it's like he held on to this grudge for like nursed it for like five or six years and then just got a fucking uh, shotgun that's what he had. He did it with shotguns, and uh, and had like a bunch of like fake grenades and smoke bombs with him. Just went through the fucking office, just taking people out. Isn't that Holy dark? Holy shit! Yeah. So so the, the but it also sort of debunks the whole thing that like oh you can't <laughs> you can't get, pull off a mass shooting with with a shotgun or whatever. <laughs> You're right. It does. <laughs> Pokes a hole in that argument I've been making for years. Right, right. People, I don't know. Maybe we should say, be cavalier about people this. People do but. say that, right? People, the same way that they say it with like a knife, with like knives. Yeah. But or, you know, or anything that's not like a. Right. I mean, like when people say like, and I still think that. I mean, maybe a. A common sense gun reform, heavy air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> Might be to ban semi-automatics and all that kind of stuff, but like, but this guy, you could pull this, you could right. pull one of these. Reality is, if we're just right. talking, you could pull something bad off of just about anything. Yeah, this this is one of those weird things where clearly uh, the story here is it's the same story with any of these other guys, Elliot Rogers and um, any these other like alt right incel whatever. You know, I nah. don't want to get into that debate, but. But it's the same story in the sense that, like, it's this guy who um, who operated on this idea that he was entitled to anything, including this woman and her attention and all this other shit. shit. And when he was actually called out for that and challenged for that, he lost his fucking marbles. Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated because, yeah, he used a shotgun and uh, he didn't... It's not. It's not the situation where he used one of these like high capacity, um, yeah, insanely efficient weapons like the Vegas shooter. So I I just caught bits and pieces of this yesterday. Did he kill himself or did they apprehend him? They or? apprehended him, and ap- apparently he like didn't have any identification on him, mm-hmm. and he had like damaged his fingertips so that he couldn't be identified. <laughs> Yeah, this is like that, oh, like that scene, loser. that scene in uh, Seven with <laughs> Kevin Spacey. He just burned his fingertips off. Yeah. Or, or in Men in Black, you remember that where they have to burn your. It's the last suit you'll ever wear. Yeah, and they burn your fingertips off. That that's that says a whole fucking lot. Yeah, the story here isn't necessarily <laughs> about gun access or anything. I mean, it is, but it's um, but it it's. It also has a lot to do with patriarchy and, um, you know, white male entitlement, toxic masculinity, as they say. Yeah, that's that's. I guess that's probably the bigger story here. Um, the guy was clearly unwell, and uh, and you know, it's just one of those things. But, but. Uh, the larger point here is that people will read about something like that, and they'll be like. Oh my God! I have to be the one person to tell them 
to tell the whole world what's going on here, what those people do in the newsroom, and like, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, just get on Twitter and follow what journalists are saying. Well, it's about the same thing. <laughs> the like you saw this around Anthony Bourdain too. You know, people like, let me tell you about what depression really is, what and it's really? like a twenty th- tweet thread, and it has like fourteen thousand fucking retweets. So it's like. Am I losing my mind? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I'm fucking going crazy. God, the Anthony Bourdain thing was still... That produced some of the worst takes I've ever seen. And a lot of people... Anthony Bourdain was, is a kind of a strange case because he was a guy that was, was sort of co-opted across a broad spectrum of politics. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've saw, like, downright fucking... Oh, yeah. Like, I had MAGA friends on Facebook and Instagram and shit, like... Posting photos of them, and yeah. it was like uh, yeah. they. Uh, I, my experience was the MAGA people weren't necessarily talking about like depression and mental illness and all that kind of stuff. I mean, some of them might be, but theirs was more like some of it was downright like pejorative. It was like, um, man, I liked Anthony Bourdain. Shame he took the coward's way out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that kind of shit. Right, right. Well, it's just it's the thing that like I think I mentioned this on Twitter at one point. It's like the uh, like the hottest take still after all these years is that like you go straight to hell when you commit suicide. And like <laughs> serious fucking like blue check journalists were saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. It, well, it, I don't know, serious. I just remember that one guy said that and I, he had a blue check. That doesn't necessarily make you serious. <laughs> the discourse is just driven by people who want to be the soothsayers and gatekeepers. I mean, it's even the J.D. Vance thing. They just want it. Even we do it. I'm not saying that we're immune to it. Of course I fucking do it. But also the thing, too, is I feel like one of the things about Twitter that is kind of difficult is like, there's just this, like, fucking race to have the freshest take. Uh-huh. And at a certain point when you've exhausted all the reasonable takes, yeah, like in that pursuit of the freshest take, you get just... You get shit. You get shit. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, you get you just get pretzel logic. Like, people just sort of, like, contorting themselves into the most original... I don't know. It's really, it's really dark. This week I've decided I'm not very good at, at Twitter, though. Why like, is that? I just, I feel like I can make good declarative statements but but people will be like oh yes smart guy what's your fucking alternative what's your blah 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 and it's just like okay I, I okay can't. if that's if fucking uh <laughs> kftc rob is throwing you off the <laughs> throwing you off your game you just you don't need to well, worry about that not not just him but <laughs> there's other there's other people too it's just like um it's it's really hard to you find you make these statements and then like people challenge you on it and then you're like I can't get into it on here because I I lack the sort of prosaic skill the skills at prose and others you know whatever to accurately convey what I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah we're just a fucking body slam them with a nice put down yeah sometimes I get so mad I can't find the right put down and it comes out so corny <laughs> yeah yeah well, I'm I'm not very good on my feet like that I'm not, but yeah, it's been a weird week. It's been a uh, it's been a dark week. It's been an exceedingly dark week. Um, and I don't know how much 
You want to get into that? <laughs> we should probably touch on it a little bit. <clears throat> um, I mean, there have been a few bright spots, but even the bright spots come with a lot of caveats, and um, and I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think um, I was feeling a little bit. I think as a lot of people were feeling a little bit weird about the. Anthony Kennedy stepping down thing. <clears throat> and uh, I found a little hope reading that Alex Perrine piece last night. I didn't see it. About how it was called uh, The Supreme Court Loses Its Conservative Majority. How basically, let's not kid ourselves, Anthony Kennedy was a conservative he at was. the end. Yeah. And in no meaningful way was he not. Yeah. And that now the court's 4 4. And. That the Democrats, which they won't, but the Democrats should hang over the Republicans' head how they were totally cool with an eight-person Supreme Court. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they thought that they couldn't steal one of those seats, which when people said that the Republicans stole a seat, no, Barack Obama fucking gift-wrapped you and sent it to you with some fucking fruitcake. Right. (laughs) That seat. But, uh... I thought it was good. I thought, uh, I thought, uh, if the Democrats were actually good at politics, they would do this. They would just deny them a vote and keep it until fucking for a year and a half till Trump's officer. But, but they won't. And the reason they won't is Joe Manchin, (laughs) fucking Blumenthal, uh, Bloomberg. No, that Blumenthal guy. I forget his first name. He know. had that tweet the other day. It was like, um, Sidney Blumenthal, the guy that was a Clinton advisor, he was was some on. senator from Connecticut. Oh, okay. It was like, um, uh, what did he say? Uh, President Trump needs to ensure that this is a nice, moderate pick, just like Justice Kennedy was. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's funny that this happened on this week, because um, what it does is it immediately puts the lie to civility, and it's funny. Like, yeah, it just it just laid all that bullshit we were talking about a couple weeks ago bare. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's interesting that like people I work with and they, and I know who uh, still adhere to the notion of norms and civility and all this other shit. Um, uh, you know. For the very, very first time, I now hear them saying, oh, you know, what Mitch McConnell, like Mitch McConnell plays by a different set of rules. Like, you know, we'll look back on this in 30 years and, you know, it'll be insane how like Obama, who had every right or whatever to appoint a Supreme Court justice, was obstructed by McConnell and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just um, and and so, you know, it's like they they will admit that like civility is completely bullshit like but they'll insist on maintaining their dignity uh-huh or their conception of it yeah dude they're they're which <laughs> is like how do you fucking win like that yeah well even okay so what where this gets difficult for me is like even if you accept that even if you go back to the 2008 rule book which it looks like w- which is what Kristen Gillibrand is trying to do even if you go back to that and put start positioning yourself um, 
pretty far left on the, some of these issues. Like, you know, like, like last ice. Yeah, she said she abolish ice. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I pointed this out on Twitter. It's just like there's no functional difference between her saying that and Obama promising to close Guantanamo. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Or to in the Iraq war or any of this. And none of that actually none of it happened. No. And so, you know, even if the, the, they're still playing by those rules – you know, granted, a lot of people are going to fall for it, and if we can, if we can't manage to build a sort of mass movement that all offers an alternative systemic vision by 2020, 2020 is going to be a dark year, my friend. Well, and it's going to be me and you in this fucking living room <laughs> feeling lonely, bunk- as hunkered shit. down <laughs> with guns. <laughs> uh, you know what's crazy about that, though, and I feel like this didn't exist in 2008 as a precedent necessarily, but like. When Obama was running on that sort of more radical, those radical reforms, Donald Trump's presidency hadn't happened yet. Uh-huh. And so now we understand that, like, oh, well, all this shit that, like, Democrats were saying Obama just couldn't do because, you know, he's yeah. just one lever of government. There's also the House. There's also the Senate. There's also the Supreme Court. We know it's bullshit We now. know, exactly. <laughs> we know it's bullshit. And... So, like, in, in that sense, maybe... It would be hold be easier to hold a president Kristen Gillibrand to that, but they're still going to fight it tooth and nail. No, they won't. It's impossible to hold them to that because they don't want that. Right. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Right. I'm just saying that like now we know that when you know if she's elected, she gets up there and starts hemming and hawing about like, well, we just need Republicans to come to the table on this. It's like it's even like the same thing Trump did like last week about the immigration. He's like, I'm just enforcing the law, people. If the Democrats want to come to the table yeah. and compromise on this, we can. It's just like, fuck you. We yeah. know full well that you can do a whole lot more than you know what I'm saying. How can you not try? Well, what, what you I'm, have the pen, right? If nothing else, what and I, then you can put the ball in their court to try to fucking challenge you on that. I guess what I'm confused about is like, how can you not see that and chart a trajectory? From Obama refusing to deal with all these things when he had the complete power to do them, and child concentration camps now. Yeah, it 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 works hand in hand. Yeah. Like the liberal idea of governance and the Trump fascist insane ethno state idea of governance, they work hand in, in hand. In concert. Yeah, that's true. And the another thing people don't understand, I was talking to some <clears throat> some of our more uh, liberal colleagues yesterday, and some nothing is something nobody wants to talk about. Like I'd made the point about uh, Clinton gutting welfare, and how like that like that reverberates in Harlan County, Kentucky, the same way it does on the South Side of Chicago. Yeah, and people need to be honest and candid about that. Like the Democratic Party has always been shit, but it's damn sure not the party of the New Deal anymore, and it hasn't been since the eighties. Right. Okay? Right. The Democratic Party now is a party that that aesthetically appeals to this younger generation of liberals that like the look of doing the right thing that like sort of like you know that uh like yeah the pose of like being on the right side of history or whatever yeah but in reality in governance democrats have just made careers of being way too conciliatory to the republicans because that's what keeps them in office yeah yeah that's you know that and that's just 
objectively true. Bill Clinton was in no meaningful way. Well, didn't didn't uh, Katie Slinninger pointed this out on Twitter, which is that like any time a sort of seemingly progressive politician does get into office, the reason they become immediately conservative is because we have a bourgeois democracy yeah. that, that is focused on self-preservation. So there's no re- like they have no incentive to actually implement any of these no. reforms or whatever. In fact, if they did, it'd probably be bad for business. You know, and, and one of the things that I think is interesting, uh, do you know who David Harvey is? I don't think so. Um, he's like a, a an economist, and he's done these lecture series and, and books on capital, on Marx's capital. Yeah. And he was on that Jacobin podcast, The Dig, uh, maybe a few weeks ago. But he he was talking about how early in the 19th century, you had, um, you know, the early stages of industrialization and, mar- and capitalism and capitalist accumulation. And you were just seeing some absolutely insane things, you know, just crushing poverty and starvation and all this other stuff. And... And there were socialists at that time who looked at that and made moral appeals to people, and they said, "This is this is immor- this is immoral. This is wrong." Blah blah blah. And and Marx was so um, he was one of a kind. He was like one of the first people that came along and said, "You can't make moral appeals to the system. The system is amoral. You yeah. can't make moral appeals to." It. So it's like. What you have to do is change the system. Yeah, you know, and and so that's why Chris, Kristen Gillibrand, or, or or even or even the strategy of running like DSA or yeah, as, as Democrats, Democrats is ultimately doomed to fail if we're being honest. Right. And that's not saying you can't celebrate the excitement around that because, yeah, there might be some generic benefit to having people of our bend in office in the current system, but it's not revolutionary. It's exactly. Well, and you look at her platform, and it's like, are you talking about uh, Ocasio Cortez? Cortez? Yeah, it's like you look at her platform, and it's like all those things are great, sure, but yeah, but once you actually get into a position in which your your uh, everything's working against you, yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's just, and I think that's true of, I mean, of of. I mean, look at Bernie. I mean, like, it, it's one of the weirdest things is I can remember when I first kind of got into, like, the DSA Jacobin left kind of thing and and followed my current trajectory, which is by no means finished <laughs> and still a work in progress. <laughs> but, like, I can remember listening to something Bhaskar Sankara said that was like, no, we can't form coalitions with social democrats. Like they're there's just the the differences are too stark and like while their reforms are, you know, preferable, ultimately socialists and communists, whatever you call yourself, we can't form coalitions with New Dealers and Social Democrats. And then I see this motherfucker fucking tearing apart Sarah Jones's article about Bernie, which Sarah's just saying, Yeah. If you can't come out against ICE, if you can't come out against what's going on in Gaza. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of other Bernie missteps lately. Uh, He's had several. Uh, the Sarah Sand- Huggy Those Sanders are not thing. left positions. Right. Okay? 
And now I see Musker's like, well, why, why stop the momentum? Because he's not perfect. Like, don't let perfect be the enemy of good Dude, or whatever. It, is, the saying? it has been a bad week for punching left on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, there have been, I don't know how many goddamn tweets and takes I've seen of people saying, um, we can't all be cool and radical like you, like you commies or whatever. It's just like, it's like, I don't know how. I don't know. It's very depressing for me yeah. because you know it makes because it, it, it has this. In, it's like sort of red baiting in a way. It has this um, effect of essentially making you feel isolated and like a kook. Yeah. You know what I mean? You feel sort of like, oh, maybe I don't engage with reality. Maybe I'm just like sort of some aloof, like cool dude who has these ideas that you know. But it's just like, but you know, if you're out there and you're feeling that way. That's, I think that's natural, and it's sort of like you sort of expect that, but like, but it's not true. No. We engage with the world. We try to like build out. Um, I don't know. It's like I was saying, like you sort of, even within DSA, you can sort of stake out your position and you fight for it and you organize for it, yeah. and like it's the same thing that like Lenin and the Bolsheviks did. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can dis have disagreements with other factions in your organization and that doesn't mean you that doesn't mean that i i'm throwing a wet blanket on the ocasio cortez people yeah or that like i hope i'm wrong about that yeah i'm just saying my hunch is that yeah we're just gonna get snuffed out once we get people there right and because obviously we're not gonna have the numbers anytime soon right to do anything meaningful that doesn't mean it's not preferable but i'm saying like we gotta go further yeah well you know R.L. Stevens made an interesting point on Twitter, which is that, like, you know, Arcasio Cortez is not saying that the things she's proposing are socialism in motion. They're not socialism in effect. Yeah. They're just the the bare minimum amount of reforms. And that's respect. You know, and I agree. R.L.'s favorite descriptor is in motion. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does like that. I like it too. I, I like it. Sounds good. It sounds. Yeah. 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 But, um, but. I think what we have to do is we're talking about offering an entirely new systemic alternative. All right. And um, and I don't see room to do that within the Democratic Party. But also, I don't think it's any more crazier or irrational than thinking we're going to take over the Democratic Party. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No. Only because, only because... That seems extremely utopian. Like, I think a lot of people would hear me say that and then... And and I held this position a year ago, maybe six months ago, even like we got to op- operate within that system. Yeah, I think people would hear me say that and say, "Well, you know, well look at MSNBC's having this thing. They're talking about DSA's uh, what right. they believe, which was we've mainstreamed. We've our mainstreamed idea. our position. Pelosi's on the ropes. Like all these people are on the ropes and all this stuff. And it's just like what you're forgetting is that these people are so committed to being the loyal opposition." That they're willing to stop at nothing to hold on to power. Yeah. Okay. They're willing. They're chancing getting murdered in the streets to hold on to power because people are that angry. Yeah. Well, they'll be. There's fine. probably no shortage of people that want to see Chuck Schumer fucking <laughs> yeah, laying in a hole right, somewhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, they have no actual moral imperative or outrage or whatever about child concentration camps or any of these other things no they're all about self-preservation and self-interest they may hate it in the sense that like okay that you know like that's a bad thing and like 
uh, obviously that's like. I, but in my hunch is that deep down they probably just look at the Republicans like y'all are fucking up the bag right now. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Like we could just stay in power, but y'all insist on doing all this wild shit. You know what I mean? Like we ain't challenging you. Just yeah. kind of calm down a little bit. Well, they don't realize that conservatives actually believe. They actually have a politics. Yeah. They actually believe in what they say. Yeah. And, and they, that's fucking terrifying. That's terrifying. I used to just think that these people were just, just appealing to the lowest common denominator but i don't think that's true anymore i think these people really do want what they say they want and they believe it 100 percent. yeah let me take a quick break i gotta pee real really bad i've been okay. drinking coffee all morning but A real good Teacot account this morning. Did you? Called, uh, I think her name is Gretchen Smith. Oh, dude, I went Damn, down. are you? I went are down. you a Teacot darling now? I guess so. <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole last night because I was reading like a bunch of, um, what, how did I get into this? I was reading a bunch of, uh, Twitter comments about, I guess it was the shooting, probably, if I had yeah. to guess. Um, but anyways, the Teacots are really into um, dog tags. Huge into dog tags. What do you mean? Like I don't know. They just like wearing them. Really? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's that's the definition of stealing valor. Yeah. Do you remember when that was in vogue in the mid two thousands? Like rappers would wear the iced out dog yeah, tags. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I want to return to this idea of uh, conservatives having politics, a politic, and um. And the reason why is because, again, you know, I, I recommend you listen to that David Harvey interview. Cause it, I found it pretty fascinating. And one of the things he said that I that I did find pretty fascinating was, <clears throat> so we still live under what you could call neoliberalism. Yeah. Essentially. We're, you know, and the policies that the Trump administration is trying to implement are neoliberal for all intents and purposes. 
deregulation and um you know all these other things if i was smart i could actually tell you what the (laughs) (laughs) carry on deregulation new liberal banking policies um low interest rates all this other shit um but but he he pointed out that what you're starting to see now and you're starting to see a politics based around this and actually the politics for this has been in existence for a long time it's just that it didn't have a vehicle really until guys like Bannon and and Breitbart and all these people started coming along yeah is a a form of governance which is antithetical to the neoliberal form and and it is very bleak and he would re- he refers to it as basically sort of like an ethnostate autarky like so for example these tariffs that you're seeing these highly protectionist measures which is sort of antithetical to what the neolibs believe you know um which is free trade and a globalized economy and all this now that's one example another one is limiting immigration so that like you can uh, create more or so that there are more jobs available for good Americans you know what I'm saying so basically basically what you're doing is you are running society in a way it's a new economic model yeah and so and it's going to be very bleak it's going to be very it's obviously we're already seeing some of the uh, the effects of it you know what I mean like the concentration camps and all that yeah and so in the face of that like we the Democrats have nothing to offer because they are almost apolitical they believe in technocratic solutions and just running society in this technocratic business like way they don't have a politics or a vision for what society could be yeah and the the left's challenge is to present that political vision and when i see guys like the hawaii uh guy who was running uh whatever kanila ing is that his name i forget now but like he was like no guys you're not dreaming that's msnbc That's MSNBC uh, propagating our platform, whatever he said. We yeah. don't have time for this. We th- we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah. We're running out of space. Right. You know what I mean? Like we capitalism obviously is consuming itself. It's it's uh, you know you've got this you've got these you know and David Harvey talks about this like what capitalism is now is just adding zeros onto things. And creating more and more debt, yeah. and not you know, and and foreclosing on the future. Right. And when you've got that compo- combined with what is looking to be like an ethno-national sort of autarky way of running the economy, this protectionist, um, aggressive way of running the economy, like our sort of democratic socialist proposals to that are incredibly milquetoast, in my opinion. Yeah. They're not going to fix the problem. They're not going to fix... I don't even think that's the intent to, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think... It's a a dark situation, man. I don't think it's... By design, I don't think they're meant to address any of those things. I don't. 
I think that the idea is to, at best, what the Democrats want is just kind of like to have kind of dysfunctional government where, like, you know, they take the ball for a couple of years and then the Republicans do it, and then we just go with that back and forth because that keeps everybody in power. Yeah. The Republicans aren't interested in that. No. Because they're actually good at politics. Yeah. They're terrible at governance. <laughs> They're very good at politics. Well, I was reading this. I told you I was sort of going down the tw- teacot rabbit hole last night, and I was reading this one guy. Uh, this one tweet had like eight thousand retweets and whatever. And this fucking guy was like, this guy was like, um, like uh, you know, oh, uh, if they don't want to be, if if they can't learn our language and whatever, like this is America, they should get out or whatever. A comment like that eight years ago. Would have been seen as like, oh, that's just what Republicans believe, whatever. Now you're seeing that it actually is genocidal. I mean, obviously, if you know you had half a brain, you would have read that eight years ago and thought that it was genocidal. Yeah. But now it actually has purchase because it's tied to a larger political economic vision. Yeah. And there are people that want to implement that, and so that's what's at stake. Yeah. You know, and and off and just positioning ourselves just a little farther to the left of people like Kristen Gillibrand and all this running socialists in the Democratic Party. I'm not convinced that those things are going to address that. Right. And I think it's fine to be critical of that. And again, you know, it's just like it's um it's like I think it's just like you said, man. It's just like we're 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 we've we've run we're running out of time. We're running you out know of what time. I'm yeah. It's like you know what they say about the long run? We're all fucking dead in it. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, it's complicated because you need a you need a long term vision about how we're going to implement this, obviously. And yeah. it's why it ultimately is detrimental to get really hung up on things like Anthony Kennedy retiring or the Janus decision or, you know, these other heinous things going on right now. I, you know what I mean? I don't mean it like don't get hung up on it. I'm just meaning like it's crucial to have a long-term vision for how we're going to change those things. Yeah. But that's not to say that we aren't running out of time because we are. Yeah. We, we, and if it wasn't just climate change, we're talking about, like what I was saying, a system in which the future is foreclosed upon for a, the vast majority of people in this country. Yeah. In some form or other, whether it's through debt, peonage, or, or whatever. Yeah. And so... Did you say peonage, like peonage? Peonage? How do you say that? <laughs> well, no, I, you said it right, but like, you mean like the process of being, or the act of being a peon? A peon? No. <laughs> I'm a peon. I'm a peon. I get debt collector calls all the time. I feel bad for my parents. They're all the time getting like letters from debt collectors. My mom is like, is there something going on? Are you okay? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just yeah, not paying my bills. I'm just not paying my fucking debt. All right. <laughs> We're running out of time, mom. We're running out of time. I'm hoping we just. Yeah, if they're going around us all, let them shoot us in the head anyway. I'm not. I'm at least going to fucking enjoy what little money I bring in yeah. right now. Well, I don't know. It's it's. I just feel very disappointed. Uh, I just feel that it's very inadequate to posit this sort of democratic socialist vision and say 
you know, and just ride that full steam ahead. Yeah. And well, and you know, and if that's your thing. That's fine. You know, and and I do have a lot of respect for people that actually work and canvas and organize. Yeah, for that, it's build a, it's out. a it's a fucking big thing, and it's not like. And again, obviously, it's preferable to having fucking Joe Crowley. Yeah. You know, whatever. I'm just saying that we should temper our expectations and also not put that pressure on Ocasio Cortez. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> That's the thing. I've been reading all these headlines and articles. Like, who is this new hero of? The, it's just like that is so much pressure to put on one single individual. Yeah, and she's going to let you down. I've seen this before. I've, you know, I've again and through no fault of her own. It's just yeah. It's like, look, we got burnt with Obama in 2008. In the same way that if We got Bernie, burnt with Bernie in 2016. Yeah, and, and if he would have won, we would have been burned, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Hell yeah, we would have, man. Yeah, but... Hell, but, I failed it already when we were out there voting for him. It's the same thing with her, too. And, and um, you know, and I, I don't know. We, I look at it like this. I look at it like this. I look at it like... There's these jobs, okay, three hundred and something of them, in in Congress. And, and there's like, I look at it as like, okay, do I want the mayor of my town, even in this system, to be sympathetic to my ideas and worldview? Yes, right. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't think that's a bad thing, right? What I'm saying though is that your strategy, that strategy of like the socialist insurgents in the Democratic Party is a much bigger job than you think it is and it's no more or less crazy yeah. than people over here <laughs> wanting to upend the system. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I'm not mad at Ocasio-Cortez. I I mean that excited me. Yeah. But again, that is in some ways it's almost a bigger project than upending the system. Yeah, because look at the task ahead. I mean, you've got to, like... <laughs> you have the most powerful people in the world with the most advanced military in the world wanting to quell your way by any means necessary. Yeah. In an effort to stay in power. I think that with the existing party infrastructure that we have, I, I think that, like, if you're going to the masses or whatever with a, a vision... I'm just not convinced they're going to get excited about that. I'm just not convinced that they're going to be like, yeah, let's reform the Democratic Party. You know, let's turn it around and actually make it respond to our needs and, and whatever. I, I, I'm not convinced that that's going to work. Yeah. I mean, call me a cool, aloof radical. <laughs> I mean, but there's room to debate all that stuff. Like, we don't need to be getting down each other's throat about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, even if we do... Again, this is politics. He's being good faith. This is politics. It's this politics. Is when I say that, I mean, I mean it in the same way that I mean politics with the conservatives. I do ultimately want to, to defeat the people who think that way too. Yeah. I mean, because if you truly believe in what you believe in, if you're passionate about it, you want to see a better world, then you'll fight for it. Yeah. You know, and you won't let you. I don't know. You won't let people sort of uh, shame you into being. I mean. I'm saying this more as projection because I really do get down about this. Sometimes I get in my own head about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a kook. I'm a wing nut. That's yeah. what I feel like sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Um. Anyways, 
It's early on a Friday morning, and I'm having a hard time making impassioned pleas because I haven't had anything to eat yet. Um, I've only had a bunch of coffee. You got a case of the Mondays on Friday? I got a case of the Mondays on Friday. I don't think we're going to do an episode next week, right? Are you gonna Maybe do, not. Are you going to do Maybe one? Maybe not. I don't know. I'll be at a probably. Town. I probably. <laughs> let's call it what it is. I probably won't. <laughs> I won't piss on you. Let me tell you it's raining. We're taking next week off. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be out of town. Um, the last few episodes we've had have been like an hour and a half long, so there's plenty of content there, people. Go back and listen to the, <laughs> the episode before this, in which we're much more impassioned and... Uh, Hopeful. And I'm just feeling pretty sapped of energy, to be honest, and I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Yeah. That's all I keep saying. I mean, that's all I keep saying is people being like, you know, um, I'm exhausted, like I, I, I'm overwhelmed... And I think that, like, a good antidote to that, um, and again, I feel like I just cribbed most of my ideas from Katie Slendinger, but a good antidote to that is Marxism. And taking a sort of long-term <clears throat> systemic view of these things and just stepping back, you know, that doesn't mean you have to ignore all of the heinous just fucking blood spilling all around us but it just means that you take a step back and you look at like who the players are where capital is flowing you know where people are being dispossessed and having the boot put to their neck and um yeah and just use your you have all the skills use your analytical clarity to 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 look at what's going on right now and ask yourself like is democratic socialism or whatever is it adequate to engaging with the problems and issues of our time and and I don't think that it is and if you know if you say oh well communist we've tried communism and it didn't work whatever um a good response to that is let's not act like capitalism doesn't have its fair share of ales. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it, it, that's another thing about it. It's like if you're feeling insane right now, like you're going crazy and you feel very overwhelmed, just remember that you live in an insane system. Yeah. You live in a system. A suicidal system. Yeah, you, exactly. A suicidal a system that has to destroy itself periodically. I, th I think about those mites that live in our eyelashes you were talking about in our Halloween episode. Oh, Eat yeah. Eat their mother from the inside out. Oh, yeah, That's the yeah, system yeah. we live a in. That's a good A dactylidum. That's a good uh, yes, they metaphor for yeah. our current, situation, current right. state of affairs. And that's another thing David Harvey points out in this, this you know, in his new book. <laughs> he used that analogy. <laughs> he used uh, the analogy of madness. You live in a system that is quite literally mad there's no rationality to it yeah. it is all fueled on speculation um it is all fueled on um it's it's, it's fueled on really uh defying things that are you know natural like uh finite resources finite geography time and and, and what it is is it it yeah, it's fueled on speculation, on adding more and more zeros and more money, and it's just like infinite growth. There's nothing sane about that. There's nothing rational about any of it. So it's totally natural to feel totally overwhelmed and like you're losing your fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
Um, yeah. This has been therapy with T Ray, and I wanted to talk about the new Drake album, but yeah, did you stay up to listen to it? No, nah, I'm going to get ready to take my first spin with it. Yeah. Probably might report back on that week after next. Oh, we there? Yeah, I guess we could com- we could talk about culture. <laughs> that is one thing we do on this show from time to time. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, or experience. I had a pretty good canoe trip. Uh, I saw the biggest snapping turtle I've ever seen in my life. Um, and there's something that really it does something to you. I mean, it's like it's so like something so big, you know? Because like we've. Uh, sort of eradicated most of the large fauna in this country. You know, and you see something like that that's so massive and almost, I mean, it's prehistoric, you know, it looks just insane. It just really does, it just activates something primal deep inside of you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... I helped a snapping turtle out of the road the other day. Did you really? Yeah, I was afraid to, you know, you know you're not supposed to grab them by the tail because that can fuck up their vertebrae. So you're supposed to, they've almost got little handles under the back side of their shell. Yeah, you gotta be careful because they can. They got a long ass neck, man. Yeah, they can reach around there and get you good. They'll get your ass. But I opted to do none of those. I scoot, I like get my tennis racket under him and kind of flipped him up on my racket <laughs> like a pancake. Yeah, and, like a big turtle pancake, and carried him to the other side of the road and put him in. Just fucking flipping him. Yeah, yeah. There's I, I saw a lot of cool wildlife, man. I got to see a muskrat. A, mu- a real muskrat, a real huh? muskrat, very up close. I got a real good picture of it. Uh, weasel, a weasel, a weasel. You sure you ain't talking about Alex? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, that's another thing. Like I know it's you know it's a very privileged thing to be able to do that stuff. But man, you got you gotta you gotta go you gotta get into um, you gotta you gotta watch natural systems at work sometimes. There's a these big these huge fish called musky in the new river <laughs> i've heard of musky you've heard of musky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man you forget it's, i'm i'm from out west man it's huge <laughs> sharks called hammerheads <laughs> um, i don't think we got the musky out west There's all right big cats man i think they call them cougars <laughs> yeah these big yeah muskies have teeth they'll fuck you up yeah, and they eat other fish. Yeah, they're like pike or gar, like yeah. big, uh, almost barracuda-like. Yeah, not quite as big, but yeah, no, it's it, it's good to watch natural systems at work. Um, I've been really learning about trees lately. I've been really into to trees lately. Um, like, did you know? I don't know if I was telling you this the other day. You can go out into the forest, and um, if you find uh, you know, you can find a little sort of beech tree, like the size of your wrist or whatever. Um, that doesn't just the size does not mean that it's like a sapling that it's young. Um, they work in concert with other. <laughs> it doesn't have big dick energy. Uh, I was gonna, I was going for a big dick energy joke there, but I pulled back because yeah, I could see the look on your face. That's too easy. Yeah, no, they they they're very communal trees. And tree, I mean, individual tree species are communal. They're not individually competitive. Yeah. So they, the mother tree will, for, will make her offspring live for like eighty years sometimes, just in a small, you know, a small state, a little small state. You know, and, trees are mama's boys, right? And then once and trees are helicopter parents, yeah, you could say that. Like the ultimate, <laughs> but it's not like a, it's not like a hierarchical thing. Just looking out for everybody. They're looking yeah. out for the 
finite amount of resources in their little ecosystem and and so yeah when the mama tree will go down it's i can't you can't really gender it because a lot of trees are both male and female everybody um, will now yeah well, some, yeah some trees will even they're at risk of pollinating themselves and so they've <laughs> <laughs> so they've devised all kinds of elaborate systems and ways of disseminating not pregnant impregnating themselves. not impregnating themselves right using bees and other pollinators and stuff like that trees can um if you're a bee you're just a pawn in the trees you're game just a pawn in the trees game <laughs> right yeah no some trees will also release certain chemicals that will be very bitter to t- like if a certain sort of bug or invasive species is trying to eat at it oh, yeah. yeah it'll release chemicals that are be disgusting and the I, people need to just study trees they work well together they're very communal they uh they communicate with one another and share resources through fungal networks underground um they got every <laughs> they got everything you need for a good trees have a bitch and not life actually funny you funny you mentioned that they don't because they need sleep at night, um, scientists have documented this. They'll hang their branches. They they sort of droop their branches down. But you know, in the sun in the daytime, they perk back up. And yeah. and, and that's why in cities, trees that live on the side of the road or whatever have a much shorter life expectancy than trees out in the forest because they've got all this light pollution and you know street lights or whatever. They need to be able to sleep. Yeah. And so if you're just constantly <laughs> subjecting it to, <laughs> I can't get you sleep for all this damn racket going on down there. <laughs> A big a big debate in my mind right now is what do you pull for? Eco socialism or, you know, sort of industrialized robot communism. And it's hard. Maybe maybe there is a sort of balance. They both have their charms. Them. Right. Maybe there is a sort of but uh but I really like, you know, natural systems. You're an eco guy? I guess I I guess so. I guess I am too, just by virtue of being a provincial. <laughs> You mean like living out here? Is that what you mean? I just, that's kind of the classy way to say hillbilly. <laughs> I've never heard that before. The pri- uh, one being from the province. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. George Eliot, Middlemarch, the subtitle is a, a study of provincial life in England or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Were we provincials? I think so. The provincial. Damn. Well, okay. In uh, in conclusion, study trees. Um, you know, if we haven't convinced you to at least look into communism, give it a look. Study trees. They've got they're they're pretty good communists. Like I said, they're not individually competitive. <laughs> they share resources. Not jealous. They can impregnate themselves if they choose to. <laughs> and I guess if we wipe out the bees, they will have to. Right. Right. <coughs> All right, let's call it. Yeah. Let's call it. We finally, this will be the first hour-long episode we've had in a while. Thank God, <laughs> people are probably happy. About yeah, that. people are. Yeah, probably not happy that we've been getting so digressive. But, anyways, all right. Uh, like I said, no episode next week. Um, maybe we can play that clip of the teacher in Dazed and Confused. It's like, just remember, everybody, uh, you, whenever you're celebrating your 4th of July barbecue, this country was built on <laughs> by a bunch of slave owning. Uh, <laughs> That's right. All right. Anyways, we'll see you all. Inhale. Inhale. <laughs>